Good day, everyone. Welcome to New Map, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host, SLAS Scientific Director Marshall Brennan. And today, we're chatting with Claudia Raleigh. Claudia comes to us from Fluix, a Munich-based company that builds digital tools for the laboratory to accelerate research. Fluix was recently featured on the Innovation Avenue floor at SLAS 2021 Digital. So we're really lucky to be able to talk with Claudia today. Welcome, Claudia. Hello, it's my pleasure. I promise you the pleasure is all mine, especially when I then hit you with our uh, traditional challenge of asking you to describe your either day-to-day work or your company in 10 words or fewer. This is a tradition we have around here. Yeah, so we are a company helping researchers to label and track their samples in the lab. All right, there you go. I think that was even fewer than 10 words. I think that worked out well. Uh Everyone who is like still using like a pen to write something on the tube or using Excel mm-hmm. sheets to keep track of data, that's where we come into place. Awesome. So, you know, that's a great segue because my next question is, you know, a little bit more verbosely, could you tell us about what your products are and like what problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. So we have developed a combination, like it's a solution that composes of two parts. One is an online label printer and a mobile app. And both are connected uh, to an online database where all the inventory information is stored. So if you're in the lab, you download our app and by this, uh, it transforms your smartphone or tablet into a barcode scanner. And you can scan whatever sample you find in the lab, but also from this mobile device, you can print labels which are come with a human-readable text together with a unique QR code, which can be scannable. Excellent. So I assume that this allows you to connect all of you know, your samples to things like uh, electronic lab notebooks and that sort of uh, digital ecosystem for the lab as well, right? So exactly. This is um, where we see, like, if you think of electronic lab notebooks, these are normally digital solutions, um, and we want to expand their power to really the samples that you find in the lab. So we give these electronic lab notebooks, you have now the chance to recognize samples by scanning. So we make them, like by adding this QR code to a label, you make it digitally available, and then down the line, you can record all your samples in the experiments and and find, yeah. So... What's interesting about this is, you know, my immediate thought is to think back to uh, some of the, you know, for lack of a better word, older academics whose thoughts are going to be, you know, hey, the labeling system on my lab shelves are just fine. They've served us for 30 years. Why would I want this? And I think, you know, besides ease of use and whatnot, one of the things that like excites me about you're talking about is adding on sort of different axes of information to that sort of searching process. So what sort of metadata can you turn up about a sample when you go to find it? Like, for instance, can you have it be the case where if there's like a safety hazard, can that, that be flagged up to somebody as they're searching their lab inventory? So, um, I mean, our solution, uh, our solution, we are aiming at uh, research labs. And the big challenge in research labs is that just by the definition of research, it's a very flexible process. Like It's not like in an uh, analytical or diagnostical uh, lab where you can very well define your processes. And that's why our uh, app is very flexible. So you, the user is absolutely free to choose the properties he wants to assign to his samples. 
This could be, uh, for example, uh, like biosafety group or biohazard. You can also upload a PDF to each sample, which could be a uh, material safety, mm -hmm. safety uh, data sheet. Or you can add a web link, which then would link to another database or online resource. That's awesome. It'll uh, reduce the uh, occurrences where you have someone who just had no idea that something you know needed special handling or whatnot. And I can totally see you for uh, lab mates of mine adding PDFs that say, leave my sample alone. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> now, that's really exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about what motivated you to start this company and what, how you guys arrived on solving uh, this particular problem? I mean, I had been a, a researcher for many years before. And uh, I, I did my PhD, I did my uh, two postdocs. And there is always the moment when you come into a new lab, you start planning your experiments and you have no clue where to find what. So there have been uh, PhD students before you, there have been other postdocs before you. And I mean, if you're lucky, you can read the handwriting. If you're not so lucky, you cannot read the other people's handwriting. Or I also worked in Japan. Like if you, as a, a European, uh, uh, being confronted with a Japanese calligraphy, I mean, it, it's really, it, it's difficult. And there is so much value and for a lab in the samples that are stored. And uh, it was always very frustrating. I mean, you keep asking or bothering your colleagues, like, can you tell me where is this, where is this? And you really have to find and, or be lucky to find the right person who, who knows about the samples. And so this is like my practical experience or let's say frustration uh, that I experienced. And then on the other hand, uh, we had one project where we was some, some microfluidics development where we wanted to set up uh, like barcode um, labeling system for micro slides. And uh, I mean, I was really surprised how difficult and tedious it was to set up, um, let's say, a normal barcode printer. And like to set it up is one thing, like to just print it like as a like from a word file or just some information. But then, if you want to have it connected to a database, which is a standard if you think about a limb system in in, in, mm. in a more production environment. But in, in research labs, I mean, it was, um, if you're lucky, you find maybe like printers, uh, like handheld printers uh, to print labels or so, but not this connection to a database or an electronic laptop. So, I mean, at its core, this is integrating a lot of those different technologies and then adding in these researcher-friendly aspects as well. So that's really cool. So imagine in the future where, let's go ahead and, and make you smile a little bit. Let's say 10 years from now, the entire world is adapted to Fluix and we, they really you know, bought into the whole concept. What are the, the biggest things that we've gained from doing that? And how are people doing their work differently in the way you envision this sort of connected future? I mean, 10 years is, is a long time, uh, especially for us as a, as a young company. But I mean, what I hope is that we can tackle the problem of reproducibility in uh, life science research and also make the research more efficient. And the third point is also being more sustainable, making the labs uh, more like using less resources, 
which is often like you, if we talk in, in life science, you, you're dealing with antibodies. Often they come from animals or it's precious organic sources that, that where you get your, your samples from. And if uh, you don't keep track of what is where, maybe you're, um, you have to throw it away at the end or you don't find it and you lose samples. And this is also a lot of waste, which I hope we can help to reduce. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with how precious some of these materials are. It's funny because you want to solve the problem of reproducibility by having people actually reproduce fewer work but that's because they're going to be focusing on reproducing the experiments that really matter. And that's really great. Another area that I think is really important as we start thinking about the landscape of researchers that this really speaks to is accessibility um, you know, for folks with various types of impairments. I'm wondering, has uh, Fluix thought about this at all? And how do you think that this can serve folks that have uh, disabilities in the laboratory? Ah, that's a good point. I mean, we haven't uh, tested our system with people with disabilities, so I, I'm, I also don't want to be saying something like being judgmental or something that is not true, but what we have, uh, our input fields, like you use the, the, the touchscreen of a smartphone and you can use uh, the voice input. So um, just by using uh, like the Google keyboard, like you push on, on, on sound, you, you have voice. You can adjust uh, the, the image size of, on, on the like to have bigger letters. I think this is what comes now immediately to my mind. I mean, then there's always the question like also how can you like have a bit more integrated voice adaptation or integration to control these things like that you just talk and you can print a label or someone reads a text to you. But yeah, this um, it's an interesting point. Yeah. We, we should I mean, have a closer I, look into it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, as, and I think one of the things that you know our listeners uh, can't see it, but I, looking at the poster behind you is that you know the fact that this is operating off a smartphone gives you a lot of tools to be able to do a lot of that. I would love to see you know uh, Fluix um, be the the thing that gets a lot more people into labs and makes their lives easier because you know ultimately that's the goal for all researchers but you know i think it's a really enabling technology from that perspective so we're getting a little bit uh toward the end here and so i want to talk a little bit about uh you uh and your background from the perspective of how you came to be in your position and how um students who might be looking for a sort of uh, non-bench career might get to where they're, they're going. So you mentioned that you did your lab research and your uh, postdocs and whatnot. It sounds now like you've pivoted more into a uh, technology space. Can you talk a little bit about how that went for you and how students who might be interested in going down a similar path might set themselves up for success in thinking about these sort of problems? Yeah, so for me, it was, I think... Um after my PhD, I was a little bit uh, in this situation, which I think uh, I was, I'm not the only one. Like you think, should you follow like an academic career or uh, is it really the thing you want to do uh, for your life? And I was, um, I had the luck to be able to do a, a postdoc at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel. And actually, before I went to Israel, like it was not really, I, ne I didn't have this, I would say, this entrepreneurial spirit. but living there and and also in the discussion with my with my lab mates and people at the institute um, and uh, like it's a really a hub spot for for innovation and startups 
So um, that's where the, the 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 idea came up. That yeah, why well, this could be a, a very interesting part. And then I I looked for possibilities. The project then emerged from a university. Like I went um, back to Germany from um, yeah to the technical university, and I found a supporter there, like a professor who who was interested in this project. And so this was the uh, the involvement. So, but it was not planned in a long term that I always wanted to be to have my own company it was um, I think uh, the what I could give people on on the way is that I mean just to be alert we have open eyes to feel to sense a little bit what is happening around you and how do you if you feel attracted by it or not or is it something that you feel comfortable because this is at the end of the day you you have to I mean you will f- encounters some frustration at at any point so and you have to have something that really has like a higher meaning for you that you feel comfortable that you like it and it can that you survive these days of frustration which i think most mm. uh, you will find everywhere so this was um, uh, how i got into this path i think that's a really great perspective i think um a mentor of mine once said that uh especially when you go down the path of things like entrepreneurship and certainly scientific research as part of this as well, is that you have to have thick skin and one of the layers of that skin has to be passion or some sort of motivation that you know, mm-hmm. transcends the day-to-day job because it's how you kind of push yourself to keep going through you know, failed experiments or the tough parts of running a company or you know, all the other challenges we have to deal with. So I definitely appreciate that perspective. All right, Claudio. Well, we are at the end here. I would love if you could uh, tell our listeners where they can find out more about Fluix and yourself. And if you have any last thoughts you'd like to share uh, with our audience. Yeah, so just uh, visit fluix.com, F-L-U-I-C-S.com. On our website, you can download our app. You can try it out for free, share it with your colleagues, uh, get a feeling if that's something for your lab, if you think it's really helpful. You can book a demo, meet with me online, and or just drop me an email at connect at fluix.com. And yeah, and stay tuned what's happening at SLAS. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm really looking forward to seeing that fully connected future uh, that we discussed earlier. And so, again, uh, congratulations on uh, Innovation Avenue and uh, good luck with Fluix into the future. Thank you very much.